You're listening to Fighting Terror, the podcast that explores the approaches to fighting terror and extremism in the U.S., Europe, and worldwide. With Lucinda Creighton, Senior Europe Advisor to the Counter-Extremism Project and former Europe Minister. This podcast is brought to you by the Counter-Extremism Project, a research and advocacy group that combats the activities of terrorist and extremist groups globally. Hello and welcome. In today's third episode of CEP's new series, Why Anti-Semitism, we will delve into how anti-Semitism manifests amongst right-wing extremists. With us today is psychologist and behavioral scientist Marina Chernivsky, who will be able to share her expert insights. She is the initiator and director of the Competence Centre for Prevention and Empowerment, which is supported by the Central Welfare Board of Jews in Germany. She also founded and directs the Counseling Centre for Anti-Semitic Violence and Discrimination, OFAC, a Germany-based non-profit organisation and counselling centre which specialises in anti-Semitic violence and discrimination. Marina, thank you so much for joining the podcast today. It's a pleasure to have you. So Marina, we might just kick off with um, some background. Um, Could you maybe tell us about your work? and your expertise in studying and addressing anti-Semitism amongst right-wing extremists in Europe particularly. So many thanks for the invitation. <laughs> I will try to bear my best to explain a little bit uh, the context, the German context of our work, but also the work itself. The Competence Center is an institute for education, non-formal education and research. Uh, we are studying the field of anti-Semitism prevention and uh, manifestation of anti-Semitism in institutions. It's a very important topic of uh, in our work, uh, not to uh, talk and to uh, study anti-Semitism as an um, abstract phenomena, uh, but to go into institutions like schools, other institutions, and to get a bit more experience how anti-Semitism works and also to profanalize and qualify important key actors and also people in in the field of education to deal with anti-Semitism. So the work of OFAC is different. OFAC has a very important, huge (laughs) aim to support victims of anti-Semitic attacks and anti-Semitic violence and discrimination also is a part of institutional life, but also in every other social space and also to support institutions, also schools, police, government structures to identify and counter anti-Semitism and give also professional counseling for key actors to deal with anti-Semitic attacks, anti-Semitic incidents as a part of institutional life. So it's very concrete, but also has a range of activities. Absolutely. That is a very big scope of work and very diverse, I suppose. So maybe to look at the the context of anti-Semitism in Europe, how has it evolved over time, over the past decades, in your opinion? You know, a huge, huge problem in current society in the reception of anti-Semitism and dealing with anti-Semitism is the assumption that anti-Semitism is a part of the past and not a part of current life. So we must make it possible (laughs) to understand that anti-Semitism is a real problem today 
and also to give to all the people who come to us to understand that they are a part of that because of social phenomena like anti-Semitism, racism, sexism is not about abstraction. So we are we all part of the problem, but also part of the solution. And we understand anti-Semitism as a social praxis. The relationship of violence, asymmetry of power between Jewish and non-Jewish people, we seen in a range of manifestations from very subtle overtones, biases to insult, harassment, degradation, verbal and physical violence, and also discrimination. So we understand anti-Semitism as a social phenomena, you know. And of course, there are many sources of anti-Semitic knowledge today. It's also always connected to the past, but it's available and has added value, <laughs> this, this source, because it's very attractive to think in anti-Semitic way, and it becomes easier to explain complex social phenomena, becomes easier there to um, to handle it and in the pandemic time for example we see the protests against the government were linked directly to anti-semitic conspiracy narratives and in the right-wing spectrum for example it was very concrete and very very real and uh, but also in left-wing extreme left-wing but also in radical islam so uh, anti-semitism is not about one group it's about a complex phenomena and it's going through all the social spheres and all the social groups. But the problem of right-wing extremism and populism in Germany is huge and uh, we see that and we see also the last research yesterday and we received press release of new study in uh, East Germany. So it's also important to see that anti-Semitism occurs in between, not only on right-wing or left-wing, not only in the political sphere, but also in a social life and a part of everyday life. And therefore, it's very important to talk about anti-Semitism and not to uh, go to, to the extreme left. For us, in our work, it's also important to see anti-Semitism as a social practice with a very direct regard to our work. And it means we see anti-Semitic knowledge uh, do not necessarily come from the intention of the individual, of people. You know, it's, it's come also as a part of a praxis in organizations, logics of routine, you know, explanation, social behavioral. And it's so deep inside of us and can only be made accessible through intentional reflection. So, yes, that's interesting the way you explain the psychological factors. And I take your point that the anti-Semitic narratives and ideology, they cross the different milieus from right wing to left wing to Islamist and that's already been a topic that uh, emerged as we've been discussing this theme through the, through these podcasts. I suppose a question I would have about the far right, because I know that you have um, looked at this in some detail, is how much does the growth of the right wing political movements that you re referenced in Germany and in other European countries, how does it sort of influence or propagate the relevance of anti-Semitic sentiment? Is there a direct link between the rise of the far-right ideology or narratives? I think, and it's not only my opinion, it's also a part of research, the increasing far-right-wing populism, extremism, gives some kind of legitimation for anti-Semitic, for using anti-Semitic narratives. And this 
this is also the normalization, normalization of anti-Semitic knowledge, anti-Semitic explanations, anti-Semitic narratives, but also, yes, also on the level of everyday relationship and interaction between people who are not so explicitly on the right side of the, of the society, but they are part of receiver of this social development and also a part of narratives from the past. And the Jewish topic is not neutral in Germany. Many people see themselves as a victim of the Second World War and have the narrative of victimness and they have an imagination of restriction not to be and not to think anti-Semitically, you know. And uh, we have this strong connection between the past, maybe unreflected past, and the current society. And yeah. um, and this past in Germany, for example, is in shadow of uh, Second World War and Shoah. Of course, that's very interesting. And this notion that some of this sentiment, the victimhood sentiment is kind of suppressed or it's finding a way to ventilate through this kind of extremism or through uh, anti-Semitic narrative is very, very interesting. Do you see connections then between anti-Semitism and sort of broader issues that are associated with far right, like nationalism, xenophobia, etc.? Uh, Anti-Semitism has many intersections with other social phenomena. Sexism, racism, fear for migration. Anti-Semitic narratives are a constitutive for all the ideologies. And the terror attack of Halle is a very good example for that. So the figure of this Man is typically for other people, other men, other terrorists who is able to eliminate people only because of their group identity. We think about anti Semitism in intersectional way. And I would say it's very important to think anti Semitism and understand anti Semitism as a phenomena and this very specific history. And also with very specific outcome <laughs> and effect. But on the other side, not isolated from other phenomena. And we must be able to think about it in this way, intersectional way, connected to other phenomena. And uh, we see that in so many situations in our praxis, but also in a way of thinking about ideologies and the ideology of anti-Semitism and ideology of racism, for example, goes hand in hand. But the way to think anti-Semitism as an undergroup of racism, for example, or very uh, small undergroup phenomena of right-wing extremism is a problem. So anti-Semitism has the ability to connect between other people in group and radical groups and also other ideologies. And we must understand anti-Semitism as a very specific topic in Europe, for example, and first of all in Europe. And yes, in a past national socialist society, Germany, also to think anti-Semitism is a very important topic for the social and political identity of the state, but also of everyone in Germany. 
we are dealing with the acceptance of anti-Semitism as a real problem. And yeah. kids say, for example, oh, I have never seen a Jew before. <laughs> you know, it's so often. Maybe we think anti-Semitism in everyday life is an ideology problem, but anti-Semitic knowledge is a part of every social sphere. And for example, we, we must talk also about the programmatic exclusion of Jewish people, not only in the context of anti-Semitism, because especially in Germany, we observed a very interesting funding. For example, Jews um, are not seen as a part of society. So they are seen as historical actors who are long dead, but not as the people in the neighborhood or in the school. If Jews are discovered... Covered in schools, for example, they are made foreign, culturalized. Kids say, Oh, I never seen a Jew before, or I start bullying Jewish kids, or Jewish children are given tasks to represent Judaism. In this way, we don't talk about anti-Semitism with intention of uh, actors. We, we are talking about discrimination. We are talking about uh, exclusion of Jewish children, for example, only without any intention to be anti-Semitic or to, to act anti-Semitic. And it's important for me that we understand that we don't talk only about uh, violence. Uh, so in the term of physical violence or verbal violence, we're talking also about exclusion. Yeah, it's really clear in terms of how it's not just about the violent manifestation of anti-Semitism or the far right or left extremism, but, but also the day-to-day the sort of normalization of cultural issues. Just a question, uh, and I know that through Offac, um, you're, you're very familiar with the impact on individuals and um, the Jewish community. Are there specific uh, strategies that communities can employ or individuals even to cope with or to mitigate the impact of anti-Semitism? The knowledge of anti-Semitism is a real threat and problem but Jewish people, at the same time, uh, don't see themselves as the victims. It's important to know. I think Jewish families, for example, anticipate the possibility of anti-Semitic attacks every day in, in uh, non-Jewish schools. It's normal. For example, every anti-Semitic attack in this or other context, the art of prolongation of anti-Semitic violence, which firmly deep inside of Jewish collective biography and Jewish history. So at the same time, Jewish people do not want to see themselves reduced to this violence. And at the same time, it's more than real. Also in extremely form, like in Halle or Hanau for non-Jewish people, but we don't talk only about uh, everyday discrimination. We're talking also about extremely violence against Jewish people and against Jewish communities. So it's difficult for other people in Germany, for example, to acknowledge this experience, also Jewish experience, and not to take themselves out of this relationship. And it's a huge problem because the violence came and comes from the social space and hits people in the social space. And it's difficult to find something where the people involved are denying this violence. And this is a huge problem for us in our work. So... To create OFEC as a space with professional skills, professional offering of counseling is part of the solution 
to connect people to their rights, to give them the opportunity to think about it, not to accept every possible manifestation of anti-Semitism and discrimination, to address also structures and institutions, to address them with the aim to deal with anti-Semitic violence, because the most of them experience anti-Semitism is a part of everyday life, normal life, in school, work, in social institutions, organization. So, and that's why we focus on a holistic approach and the competence center. We do research. We want to close gaps in, in the research. Anti-Semitism about also to, to help key actors to deal with anti-Semitism and on the other side by OFFEC to give the affected people to go also through this experience and um, to manage it together with them. And uh, OFFEC is a very central and important organization in Germany now with uh, five offices in Saxonia, Saxonia, Anhalt, Baden-Württemberg and Hessen. And also in Berlin is the main office and we have also a hotline with offering uh, every day to um, gain insights in anti-Semitic act mm-hmm. and yes, to try to support and, and the ways of the support are very different. Yeah, of course, but really interesting and, and encouraging us to see your presence in those different regions in Germany and providing that support. Can I ask a question in relation to mental health professional and what their role is in helping to address anti-Semitism, far-right extremism, what sort of support or resources do they need to to do that type of work? Very interesting question. I, um, the assumption that anti-Semitism is a part of, of the past, not the problem of the present, it has huge effects. <laughs> One of them is not to put ourselves in relationship to this topic. So you can study psychology. I am a psychologist. And not to be in, in contact with this topic one time in your study years. You know, it's normal. <laughs> it's normal not to thematize um, anti-Semitism. You can understand anti-Semitism in the presence of the German society, in my opinion, only if you try to understand also the history and post-history, post-memory of the Shoah and National Socialism. Without this understanding and reflection, it's not possible, in my opinion, to gain a contact to this topic because anti-Semitism in Germany is staying in the shadow of Shoah. And yes, in last years, anti-Semitism has become more visible and audible and perceptible, but it remains a systematic problem and it exists not only on an individual level, but also structurally and manifests itself more and more frequently also in institutions and also in institutions of mental health. We see also a huge emotional distance of professionals 
And therefore, it's our aim to address these professionals and to give them the opportunity to learn about it, to reflect about their own positions and assumptions and uh, forms of uh, practicing. And then to be able to deal with anti-Semitism as a part of their own institutions and their own society. Mm-hmm. I think we are in the beginning. <laughs> so mm-hmm. not every social sphere and psychotherapy is a very good example for that because we are working for many, many years in social spheres, social uh, work and um, youth work and also schools. It's not enough. Also with, with the support of German state and funding, but mental health is on another sphere and we don't have enough access to, to this field. So we are on the way to go into the field. Mm-hmm. Um, thank you for that. Um, so, I mean, I was going to ask you, you know, from a from the point of view of um, policymakers, um, you know, what are the steps that could be taken? Um, but I'm guessing that, you know, focusing on visibility of the issue is a, is a really key part of that. But maybe I might ask you further and finally, if there are examples of good initiatives, I mean, besides your own organizations and um, the type of work that, that you're doing yourself firsthand uh, with your colleagues, but if there are other examples of maybe federal government initiatives, state initiatives, community initiatives that are successful in your view or have the potential to be successful in addressing anti-Semitism uh, on the far right, especially, but, but generally in Germany. So I think we are living and working in uh, moving times <laughs> in every, every field. We are facing with a huge war and we will deal with the effects uh, of this war for many years. Also for Jewish population is a big challenge to be a part of war in Europe. Going to your question, we worked for many years very politically. The 15 years of my work and our work um, in this field was not easy <laughs> to gain the conscious and get attention for this topic in the field of education, in the field of counseling, in the field of research as a nonprofit organization. And it was, yes, it was successful. I think also for other organizations in this field, uh, we have worked politically all together and uh, the field of education, of uh, political education, um, education towards and against anti-Semitism, also the field of consulting and also the field of research, research about anti-Semitism from Jewish perspective, anti-Semitism as a part of institutional praxis has evolved. I think we have opened up fields and set new topics. For example, our demand for many years, the Jewish perspectives of anti-Semitism no longer be left out. They were included and will be more and more included. So it's a huge topic, a huge development, in my opinion. 
We have today one broadened understanding of anti-Semitism and uh, we are looking deeply on structural aspects of anti-Semitism, but we need also the polit politician level and the level of key actors to understand that we all need a holistic approach and we cannot look on anti-Semitism only from one perspective. And I think we have begun to work together with other organizations. It's a successful one a step and development. Uh, we are a network of five organizations who bring expertise and many years of work and experience in this field. And we are working five years together. And I see that as a big challenge, but also successful solution to evolve, to reflect about the field developments and concepts and to achieve and gain also enough attention. It's not enough, but to gain attention, to put attention on the need to remain on this topic. But we need also broaden understanding of not only of anti-Semitism, but also of the need to support our efforts. <laughs> Financial support, political support. I was a, a member of a group of experts. We have published our anti-Semitism report uh, 2017 and many of our demands were achieved and I think it's succeed. <laughs> Fantastic. It's not only about good news. It's, <laughs> it's I know, also about, I know. you know, continuity. We need that. And yeah. we cannot do it as a non-profit organization. We are also part of struggle and, yes, problems with resources to put our work on stable basis. So... Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, this is a perennial challenge, unfortunately, I think for many non-profit organizations in the same boat. But uh, Marina, I think it's been really interesting. And it, it actually, you know, it's very easy to only see a downward trend and the negative development. So it's, it's actually quite nice to hear at the end of our conversation some, you know, very positive results, your work and your efforts with your own organization. An important finding also, the Jewish community in Germany has changed. We are living in another time. We have young people who are not able to accept the situation and also new initiatives and also civil society, new Jewish civil society organizations who developed a variety of strategies and not only to combat anti-Semitism, but also to live in this country, to be part of the society, to have the right to live in safety in social spaces and to claim the right to be. Yeah. Marina, thank you so much for joining the podcast today. It's been a really interesting conversation. You've, you've covered a lot of ground and, and thank you so much for sharing your very unique insights. Marina Chervinsky, thank you so much for joining the CEP podcast and forward to speaking with you again. Thank you. We hope you've enjoyed our discussion. Please don't forget to like, comment on and share this episode. You can find out more about fighting terror and the counter-extremism project on Twitter using our handle at Fight Extremism and on the homepage of our website. 